This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I am World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. Jesus never promised Christians an easy life. In fact, he said that we'd be hated for his name's sake. Martin Luther certainly knew that when he posted the 95 Theses. When told to recant his writings, Luther replied, Here I stand, I can do no other. Christians today are faced with the same hatred, even here in the United States. Christians, believing the biblical truth that marriage is between one man and one woman, have become special targets since the Supreme Court legalized same-sex marriage in the notorious Obergefell decision. Christians in the wedding industry have been punished and even put out of business because they refuse to violate their consciences and use their talents to celebrate gay weddings. Christians in government have also been targeted. In 2015, Rowan County Clerk Kim Davis in Kentucky, a devout Christian, refused to issue marriage licenses with her signature. When ordered to do so by a judge, she replied that she was under God's command and could not comply. Davis spent time in jail rather than violate her conscience. Kim Davis is my guest today on World Lutheran News Digest. And now today's Fast Track. One in two is the current number of children in the U.S. who are being raised by both their married biological parents throughout their childhood. The February 27th report was published by the Institute of Family Studies. It analyzed data from a survey released by the U.S. Department of Education. Planned Parenthood Votes and Planned Parenthood Action Fund, their political action committees of Planned Parenthood, are making a hefty investment in defeating pro-life candidates in the upcoming midterm elections. It was announced last week that a $20 million campaign called March Vote Win has been launched. The organizations will be using the funds to target gubernatorial and Senate races in Arizona, Florida, Michigan, Minnesota, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Those are key states where Planned Parenthood organizers believe they can have the greatest impact. The money will go toward what they call grassroots campaign efforts, as well as TV and digital advertising and mail programs to reach the largest number of voters possible. As well as a sizable investment, the organization will have people on the ground in other states. A Christian student group is fighting for its right to continue serving the same campus it's been on for more than 75 years. In the case of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship versus Wayne State University, an InterVarsity Christian Fellowship student group represented by Beckett Law sued Michigan-based Wayne State University after school officials stripped them of official recognition because the group requires its leaders to affirm their faith. Students at the University of Central Oklahoma got a lesson in free speech as the 16,000-student public university welcomed the presentation by Ken Ham, a nationally known creationist who rejects Charles Darwin's theory of evolution. The lecture last Monday came weeks after the university's Student Government Association rescinded an invitation to Ham to speak on campus. Some students, who deem Ham homophobic, objected to student funds being used to bring him to campus. After the student group's decision made national headlines, though, UCO President Don Betts stepped in and re-invited Ham to, on his offer to talk on Genesis and the State of Culture at the Public University's Constitution Hall. 
With the influx of refugees, both Muslim and Christian, has come the hatred against religious minorities, for example, Syria and Iran. Germany saw nearly 100 anti-Christian attacks in 2017. The most violent occurred among asylum seekers in refugee homes, and German politicians are expressing growing concern about the safety of Christians fleeing to Europe. Open Doors Deutschland, which supports and advocates for persecuted Christians, recorded 743 incidents in 2016. After a wave of violence against Christians in refugee homes, many of them asked repeatedly for separate accommodation, except in a few cases, the authorities failed to respond. This is World Lutheran News Digest. This is Simirne Lutheranski Novosti. I'm Kip Allen, host of World Lutheran News Digest. My guest today is Ms. Kim Davis. She came to the public's eye a few years ago when, after Obergefell decision came down legalizing gay marriage, she, as a county clerk of Rowan County, Kentucky, because of her Christian beliefs, refused to issue a marriage license to gay couples. She suffered for that. She actually went to prison for it. And she's written a book about her experiences that's called Under God's Authority. Ms. Davis, welcome to World Luther News Digest. Thank you. It's an honor and a privilege to be with you. Well, tell me a little bit about what happened here. Uh, you'd been the county clerk. You'd served for a long time. And then all of a sudden, this Supreme Court decision came down, and it was a direct conflict with you as a public official. That's correct. Actually, you know, I had been a deputy clerk for 27 years. And this was my first term. I took office in January of 2015. So I was a, a new new actual clerk. You know, when I took the oath of office, you know, I vowed to uphold our Kentucky Constitution and to carry out my duties you know, to the very best of my ability. And so when the Obergefell decision came down, you know, it, it clearly conflicted with not only my personal views, but with our, with our state statutes and, and our Constitution. I told my deputies that we weren't we weren't going to issue marriage license to any couple. We were just going to stop them, you know, completely. For one, I could not issue a license and be a partaker of a of a um, of a same sex union, let alone discriminate, um, you know. And and so we just we just quit issuing license altogether until you know something further could be tended to. I was hoping. Uh, you know, that our governor at that time would have called a special session to address this issue, but instead he just issued a mandate that told us, you know, we could believe what we wanted to believe outside the office, but, you know, when it came time to do your to do our job as a county clerk, we had to do what, you know, what he said. So, And as um, I understand Kentucky law, uh, to issue a marriage license must have the signature of the county clerk. At that time, yes, it did. It required that the statute read that there was an authorization from the county clerk that issued the application for license that said that the two, the two parties met the statutory requirements. And for me to affix my signature to that, you know, would have meant that I was saying that they were um, legally able to get married, that they were that they qualified according to our statutes, and um, you know, my my conscience just would not allow me to be a part of that. Well, you took your stand, as Martin Luther said, here I stand. <laughs> and like Luther, you underwent quite an ordeal. What happened? 
oh, Kip, it was a firestorm of um, just uh, you would not. It's hard for me to say the words to um, to actually convey how much hatred and vile and venom was spewed at me during that time from um, from the LGBT community and and their followers. And um, you know, while I received a lot of um, positive emails and encouraging you know letters and stuff um the the barrage of um of hate was just so so much it was just very overwhelming and i can see why you know had it not been for the presence of god in my life you know the holy ghost and and everybody you know praying for me um there is no way that i could have withstood the pressure that was being applied to me. You actually got some death threats, did you not? Oh, most definitely. I got, uh, uh, they called my actual home phone and um, said that they were going to uh, tie my husband up and they were going to make him uh, watch them rape me and kill me. And then they were going to kill him. We got threats that they were going to burn our house down. Um, We got threats that uh, a former um, military man was going to bring in AK-47 and mow us all down. Those were his exact words, mow us all down. I mean, it was just amazing the hate that was that was garnered toward just me and, and you know, and my stand, you know. And Christians in general, you know, the, uh, the stance that marriage is between one man and one woman, yeah, that is the mainstream view of most Christianity. Lutherans believe this, uh, Catholics believe this, Baptists believe this. This yes. is mainstream. Most definitely. And, you know, the only, the, you know, I was getting, um, you know, inundated with negativity and hate and just, you know, everything. I've been called everything uh, under the sun from A to Z, and then some things that I didn't even know words existed. But, um, I, you know, the only negative thing that I ever said through all of this was no, the word no. And, um, you know, for me, Kip, it, it never was a, a, a homosexual or a, or a lesbian issue. For me, I was standing up for the Word of God, not standing against, you know, there's a, you can stand for something. It doesn't always have to be in opposition to someone else's view, but I was standing for uh, for God's Word and His definition of marriage, you know, as He defined when, when He created, you know, this world. And you also pointed out earlier in the interview that uh, you actually suspended all marriage uh, licenses. Yeah. It, it wasn't that you were discriminating solely, you weren't discriminating, period, against the gay marriage. You just stopped doing it. Right, because, you know, uh, I couldn't participate in, in what they wanted me to, and I didn't feel that it was right um, to issue license to other couples until they got everything, you know, squared away and, and taken care of as far as our statutes were concerned. And the governor came down on you and the courts came down on you. <laughs> yes, they did. You know, I asked for a very simple accommodation. I asked for the clerk's name and the authorization of the clerk to be removed from the license. And, um, you know, it's not like I was asking for the, the stars and the moon and, and all that. I was asking for a very simple simple religious accommodation and uh, he didn't want to hear that 
the, the governor, uh, the old governor, Bashir, did not want to hear anything that I had to say. And he, he basically, he had stated that he would let the courts handle uh, the clerks that didn't want to follow what he said. And they did handle it in your case. You actually found yourself uh, contempt of court and actually was, went to jail. Yes, actually, um, you know, I was the Obergefell decision came down on June 25th or 26th. I can't remember the exact date. And uh, that following week, I was already sued by the ACLU, like on July 2nd. Mm. And uh, so by no by September 3rd, I was in jail. Tell me about your jail experience. What happened? How how they came? They, did they cuff you? Did they put you in jail? Were you by yourself? Were you with other inmates? How did that work? Well, uh, you know, God's timing is, is truly uh, perfect in all aspects of, of everything that we do in our lives. And one thing, um, you know, I had been under a lot, a lot of pressure. And, uh, you know, sometimes it just wears on you, not, just not it wears on you mentally, but also physically. And, uh, you know, I was working every day. And with people with bullhorns out here at my window screaming, do your job, do your job. And I'm in here doing my job. And so when we went to the contempt hearing, I remember seeing the judge walk in and he had a yellow legal pad and it had lots and lots of writing on it because he wrote with a Sharpie. I could I could see it. And when they called me up to the stand and he asked me if I was going to follow his order, you know, I just said, you know, no, sir, I cannot compromise, you know, my convictions, my and, you know. He's telling me that I can take my convictions off and leave them in my vehicle and I can walk through my office door and, uh, you know, forget what I, I, I know and, and that's in my heart and my soul. And I told him, I said, I can't be separated from what's in my heart and my soul. You know, this it's not, you can't do that. And so I sat back down and he said, you know, he understood that sanctions wouldn't work because people would probably pay those sanctions for me. And the only way he felt that he could get his order fulfilled, which was what he was, his main goal was to get me to comply with what he had ordered me to do, which was to sign the marriage license and issue them, and uh, was to put me in jail. He called all my deputies in and, and coerced them. When they saw me uh, remanded into custody, um, of course, they were terrified. I remember when he asked me, uh, he told me that he was going to remand me into federal custody for the federal marshals to come. There was three federal marshals that came to get me. And I took a deep breath and, and said the name of Jesus. And I stood up and I said, Judge Bunning, thank you. And I turned and I walked out with grace. And as soon as I walked out the door, I raised my hands and gave God glory because I knew that his will was going to be fulfilled through all of this. You know, what what they meant for evil, God would turn it for good. And um uh, I went into the, a metal, um, into a, a, a holding cell there where they had a metal uh, couch. And I fell on my knees and I started praying for my deputies for God to uh, put a shield of protection around them and to, you know, uh, just to, to lead them and let their own convictions be their guide. When I was uh, picked up by the, the gentleman that was going to transport me, he, uh, I was bound in shackles around my, I had, handcuffs on my wrist, a chain around my waist, and the chain went all the way down and shackled my ankles. And uh, he said, hang on. He said, wait just a minute. He said, I don't want them. He said, there's people out there taking pictures. And he said, I don't want them to see you like this. And he went and got a shirt, and he wrapped around my wrist so that they would not see the handcuffs on my wrist. Uh, he took me out into the 
into the vehicle and he said, Miss Davis, he said, we're going to take good care of you. He said, I'm a, I'm a preacher. And he said, I want you to know, he said that, you know, we're going to take real good care of you. I got to the facility where they took me, which was the Carter County Detention Center. And they're waiting on me were two women who were absolutely just crying, just broken. And, uh, I stepped out of the, out of the van and, um, uh, they took me and they cried the whole time they booked me and took my mug shot, you know, and uh, they just really were just broken. You know, they couldn't understand why I was there. And uh, even the federal marshals told me while I was incarcerated behind those doors, you know, they said, Miss Davis, you know, we believe like you do. We don't understand, you know, why you're here. And um, but Kip, they put me I was a federal prisoner and I was imprisoned with no no sentence. My sentence was when I decided that I would do what the judge said, then I could get out of prison or get out of jail. And uh, so I was put in jail for an undetermined sentence. You know, I was set up for the long haul. I was ready to wait until the legislators met and everything. And um, But I was in a cell by myself, and um, I had a lot of time to uh, read the Word of God, pray, uh, I fasted, uh, you know, just sought God, sang to the tops of my lungs, and uh, I don't sing very good, so. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, I was praying for the people there in the jail, and they got word to me they have prisoners there in that facility that they're holding that are in for like 10 years or longer, they're state inmates, and they got a word to one of the workers up at the front desk there at the intake, and they said, you tell Miss Davis, we're praying for her. I mean, I was praying for them, and they were praying for me. So, you know, I slept well. Uh, I, I felt very rested when I, I came out of there. And, and God just truly knows, you know, that all things work for the good. All things. Miss Davis, you had an interesting past. Uh, I will use that in the Chinese sense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you know. Um, and you came to Jesus. What was it that... that that made you discover that that Jesus was there for you and and changed your life well you know i had uh, my husband and i had been in church back years ago back in about 99 and we were in there for just a little bit and then we backslid of course and i had been in a backslidden state for 8 9 years and uh, just really had no intention of ever living that lifestyle again because you know it is a choice when you make a conscious choice that you're going to live for god every every day you make that choice that you're going to choose god over you know anything else that you're going to do when his mom my mother-in-law was sick truly it is the loving kindness of god and his people you know that just warmed my heart and she asked you know she said kim she said i'm worried about my boys and I told her, I said, Mommy, I said, don't worry. I said, Joe and I are, you know, we're back together. We reconciled and got remarried. And I said, he'll be fine. And so she wanted us to go to church. She died on a Sunday morning, and we went to church that evening. And, you know, giving my heart to the Lord was the last thing I had in mind. But when the preached word of God comes across and that anointing touches and moves in that hardened heart and softens that heart, um, you know, I found myself at a place of repentance right there in my pew. And, you know, and I promised God, I, I didn't know if God would ever deal with me again because I, I felt I had done too much and, and had been too bad and, and too, uh, had too much sin 
you know, wrapped up in myself to for God to ever be that good enough to me again to, to allow me to abide in him and for him to abide in me. And um, I promised him when I hit my knees, I said, God, I will love you with my whole heart, mind, body, and soul. And I said, whatever you want, Lord, I'll do. Because I felt, Kip, like this was the last time that God was going to deal with me. And that's why I had to be completely sold out. You know, there could be no question as to my um, as to my dedication and my faithfulness to him. So, you know, I was that was it. I was just I was sold out. And you stood fast. Eventually you were released from jail and you picked up the your life again. And I understand that you are again running for the county clerk of Rowan County. Is that correct? I am. It's uh <laughs> I know it just, you know, I didn't even really want to run for office the first time. And God just, you know, this has all been in his plan from the very beginning because he he knew. You know, I, I prayed for a long time, Kip, for God to use me. And I thought that I was just destined to be a saint on the pew because of my past. And I was talking to one of the brothers in my church and I told him, I said, you know, I said, I'm never going to be able to be a Sunday school teacher. I'm never going to be able to do this or that because of my past. And he said, sister, don't you know, you have just put handcuffs on God and what he can do in your life. Well, I had to repent right then and just tell God I was sorry for thinking so small of him, you know, and, and just putting myself in a place where I thought he couldn't use me. Or And then I started praying. I said, God, whatever, whatever you want, whatever it takes. And then I realized it was because of my past that God could use me. And he sent a preacher to that very same church that preached Christians taking back their community. Amen. God had been dealing with me, you know, about running. My mother asked me, you going to run this time? Because she was retiring. I mean, I had enough years to retire with her. <laughs> and uh, I thought, oh, Lord, you know, I'm not a politician. You know, I'm not politically correct and so I told him, I said, God, I'll do this. But I said, you have to make it happen. And he did make it happen. Kip and I, I just, you know, and I have to think that God doesn't start anything and, and just do it halfway. You know, his word says he's immutable without error. And he's not, he's not changing. He's, you know, everlasting. And so if he starts something, he's going to finish it. Now, and, now, Kentucky has changed the law, I understand. So you can issue, your office can issue marriage licenses, but it is not over your signature any, any longer. Is that correct? It ha- it, that's exactly correct. It's an application, and it has no signatures, no authorizations from the state or from the clerk. It uh, has nothing. It's no more than like transferring a vehicle now. So this, uh, this now it can be done with a clean conscience? It can, because my name is not on it. There's no authorization. There's nothing you know, on there that even has anything of of my authority on it whatsoever. Now, you've written a book about your ordeal. It's called Under God's Authority. Can you discuss the book a little? Well, it is a a behind-the-scenes story that the the national media, you know, doesn't want you to know about me um, because they never never talked to me. Uh, They reported a lot of stuff on me, but... um, I just, you know, I wanted people to know that um, God, if he brings you to it, he will bring you through it. He's not going to take you someplace and then drop you off and leave you stranded, that he will be there beside you. You know, when Stephen was getting stoned, he said he lifted up his eyes and he saw Jesus standing. And, And that's what I had to think is that God was standing right beside me through it all. 
I just, I wanted to be an encouragement to let people know that, you know, even through all the stuff, the bad stuff that went on, through all the hate that was through my way, I grew so much in Christ. And, um, you know, it's, it is doable. It is doable to stand and to walk away after it's all said and done and know that you have given God glory. Because that's what we're here for. Well, I found it interesting that despite all the hate that was directed at you, you found love from your jailers and even from convicts. Oh, yeah. It was amazing. I mean, uh, you know, just I feel truly blessed to have even been a vessel that God would want to use and, and choose to use. You know, I have no complaints in him through all of this. You know, I've I just I want to be an encouragement to people and to others because it's not so much Kip when it happens or you know if it happens, but when it happens. Because there will be a time and a place in, in the future that someone else will be faced with a similar situation, maybe not exactly like mine, but they will be faced and they will have to take a stand for their beliefs. We all have rights to stand up for what we believe and yeah. to defend our beliefs. And uh, more so than anything, you know, people say, well, why didn't you just retire, Kim? It would have, you know, you had enough years. Why didn't you just retire? Why didn't you just, you know, walk away? But I have to know that God put me in this place. I asked him, I told him, I said, God, if you want me there, you put me there. And he did. So for me to walk away in the midst of this would have been an act of total disobedience and, and, and would have completely, you know, just kind of negated everything that we had went through with the election and, uh, and trusting God, you know, to, to win it for us. And so, you know, obedience is a, you know, God desires our obedience, you know, to his word and to his way. And, um, you know, I, I want to be found, you know, watching and waiting for his second coming and, and just knowing that, uh, you know, I'm going to make heaven my home. Law and gospel, as we say in the Senate. Ms. Davis, I want to thank you so much for taking time out to discuss this issue with me and to relate this wonderful and terrible experience that you <laughs> underwent. And God bless you for your efforts and for your faith. Well, God bless you. If people want to... Uh, get a copy of my book, they can go to lc.org and go to the store and order one. We'd appreciate it. Certainly. God bless you. God bless you, too. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.